Welcome back to the Play On Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Stavros. Today, we are speaking with Elizabeth Broadhurst and Eddie Lopez. Elizabeth and Eddie play Mary Poppins and Bert in this season's production of Mary Poppins. Elizabeth has appeared off-Broadway as Grace in Annie at Madison Square Garden opposite Kathy Lee Gifford and John Shook. She's also appeared in two national tours of Mary Poppins and in the national tour of Annie. Elizabeth's other theater credits include the Guthrie Theater, the Pittsburgh Public Theater, Baltimore Center Stage, and Arrow Rock Lyceum Theater. Eddie has appeared off-Broadway at the Brooklyn Academy of Music in Throne of Blood. Uh, He's also appeared in the television show Madam Secretary and the film Redwood Highway. His other theater credits include American Conservatory Theater, Oregon Shakespeare Festival, the Roy and Edna Disney Cal Arts Theater, Theater at Boston Court, and Cal Arts. Elizabeth and Eddie are both appearing in Mary Poppins and Henry V this season at the festival. Eddie and Elizabeth, thank you so much for being here on the Play On podcast today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So uh, let's jump right in with a little bit, before we start talking about roles and shows here at the festival, I think it's very interesting that you are both in Mary Poppins and in Henry V, which doesn't always shake out in the rep, so I have some questions about that later, comparing the two experiences together. But uh, Elizabeth, let's start with you. This is your first season here at the Utah Shakespeare Festival. Yes, it is. Tell us uh, how you got into theater. Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so uh, I'm a military brat. Uh, my parents, uh, my dad was in the Air Force. We moved around a lot when I was uh, growing up. But from seventh grade on, we landed in Northern California, which is actually where Eddie grew up as well. Yep, awesome. We have a lot in common. We didn't know each other growing up, um, but we have a lot of mutual friends. And uh, the arts are rich and alive in Northern California. Uh, choir programs in my school and community theater and professional theater. I took master classes at Music Circus in Sacramento. And um, then I went to the Boston Conservatory for college and moved to New York after that and uh, have been on this wild journey. But uh, I always say the military life kind of prepared me for this yeah. very transient <laughs> lifestyle that we, we have as uh, actors, which is great because you kind of make your home wherever you are mm-hmm. and the, your coworkers are your family just like um, I experienced in the military life. So I, uh, yeah, it's been a wild ride. It's great. Awesome. Eddie, how about you? Growing up, it sounds like in Northern California, but how did you uh, get into theater and what brought you here? Uh, Also Northern California, grew up in Sacramento. Um, I, from a very young age, was was the kid who didn't want to get out of the, you know, the the costume corner in kindergarten. So uh, I was playing with swords and capes and hats from a very young age and and, uh, naturally just sort of fell into the theater. Um, I think The Wizard of Oz was my first show Mm. as a kid in fourth grade. And then just kind of pursued it as I grew up in high school, did a lot of productions in in, uh, our high school. is really fortunate we had a great arts program. Also, like Elizabeth said, just really well supported at the time in California. Not so much anymore, but at the Mm, time it was was great arts funding. And um, pursued it into college. I went to California Institute of the Arts, which is down in Southern California in Valencia. It's a conservatory. And um, studied theater there, kind of experimental, forward-thinking, weird (laughs) theater, lots of fun. And um, after that, uh, pretty much graduated, did some plays in L.A., and then booked a job at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, which was a good chunk of my early career. I spent about five seasons up there. And in a lot of ways, I look at it almost like as a grad school program Mm -hmm. for a young actor because... I started working in, in smaller roles and worked my way up the repertory ladder, which is kind of rare these days in the American theater. So uh, coming to Utah Shakes has been, in a lot of ways, like a little bit of a homecoming to this atmosphere of company and community and repertory theater, which I really, really enjoy. 
So cool. Yeah. Uh, taking off of that, I mean, Elizabeth, you've worked at a lot of other regional and rep theaters. I mean, the Guthrie among others. Is this your first like summer rep thing, or you have, have you done that? Yes. No. This is the first time I've ever experienced a repertory company where we're in in multiple shows happening at the same time. I've done something like a summer stock where you're rehearsing for the next show mm -hmm. that's about to happen while you're performing one show, which, you know, there's a there's always that feeling of like, well, when X show closes, then I'll really dive into the the show we're rehearsing, and that can't happen here, right? Because no, it's like, well, you got to be on point for all the shows because they're opening at the same time. So for me, it was um, difficult, really difficult. I mean, like Eddie said, he had he had that experience, um, and I'm glad I'm getting this experience because it sounds like there's not too many theaters in the country that are are doing this kind of schedule. So. I consider myself fortunate that I can uh, experience it. Why, Eddie, do you think that it serves, why is it so important for, your, you know, you to describe yourself as a young actor going through this crucible, and Elizabeth just articulated its value and its difficulty. Talk about what it did for you as a young actor, sort of coming up fresh out of school and, and working at a place like Oregon. Totally. I wonder how long I can use the term young actor <laughs> before I know you. Not too much longer. No. <laughs> uh, until you play Lear, you can use Yes, I think, <laughs> right. I think I'm a young actor until Lear, um, which I was my first Shakespeare part. <laughs> at the age of 16, of with braces, I played King Lear in Sacramento. Oh, how course. hilarious is that? Awesome. Your mom was very proud of that. <laughs> yes. She told me. As of every performance. No. Uh, the value of a repertory uh, schedule for an actor is is in that it, it gets to exercise all of your muscles as a, as a performer. So, you know, if you are somebody who sings as well as uh, enjoys breaking apart Shakespeare and bringing life to that and can move, you know, being in a musical and a Shakespeare piece is going to let you utilize everything that you can do. So um, it stretches you. I, I don't know how best mm -hmm. else to say it. You know, your instrument... Um, is got to be in tune to come into work every day and and be able to do both things. So yeah. um, it's it's truly a gift because it, it just works you out as an actor. Yeah. Um, well, and that's the exact circumstance both of you are in this summer. You're both in Mary Poppins, huge roles, big show, and then across the street, so to speak, across the courtyard, you're in uh, Henry V. Uh, so one of the things that I always like to think about when one of the things, reasons I love working here, and I know a lot of guests love to experience lots of different kind of theater, we get the same sort of experience watching you perform these multiple roles and multiple shows uh, as you hopefully get enjoying them on the stage. Um, but in terms of storytelling, what are sort of the differences, or is there a difference really, um, for you in terms of process in telling a story with music like you do in Mary Poppins versus <laughs> using Shakespeare text and the sort of heightened language that's not just part of your day-to-day -day in a Shakespeare play. Talk to us about that a little bit. Yeah, well, you know, for me, where I feel like my career is predominantly music theater, which is an indoor theater with microphones and an orchestra, which is like a very different medium. For me, one of the hardest things was going to an outdoor theater, no microphones, and um, a very large space that you have to project mm -hmm. um, without any help. And, you know, Eddie and I talk, it, it's the same idea that, that you project with, your, with singing. So um, in that way, I feel um, I was ready and able to do that. But it's, it, for, your, for my ear, adjusting from one day to the next, where, you know, Mary Poppins is so amplified mm -hmm. and it's mm -hmm. so 
big and inside and lights and you can't even see the audience and then to go outside and to have it just be you and very simple and have to sort of create that electricity that the technical elements help us create in Mary Poppins, that has been a real challenge, but a real excitement because it's not something that I've had to uh, create before. Mm -hmm. I, I, I want to dovetail off that because I think that's a really, that's a really great way of putting it. Uh, outside, on the outdoor stage, in a, in a Shakespeare show, you need to be the generator of that electricity. Yeah. And that's a great mm -hmm. way to put it, I think. Because, yeah, and Mary Poppins on the inside, it is, it is in a lot of ways, even a grander team effort between mm -hmm. everyone backstage and the people that are running your technical mm -hmm. elements, your lights, your sound, your microphones, um, and the actors on stage, and the orchestra. I mean, it's all this community effort, communal effort to to put this thing together in a Shakespeare play, you have a lot of similar uh, uh, you know, aspects, but at the end of the day, you're the one amplifying, you're yeah. the one bringing, bring the special effects, I'm using right. quotation fingers, special <laughs> effects to it, and, and that's through the rhetoric, and that's through your own uh, voice and presence and all of those things. So um, I, I think yeah. they're, they're similar, as you said, in challenge, challenges in that they're both heightened worlds, which I think for some actors, us I think uh, are, Elizabeth and I are such actors where we like playing in heightened worlds, yeah. you know, yeah. where, where poetry and where song uh, is ele is elevating the expression that you are witnessing on stage, and, and that's fun to play, and we're both kind of elevated individuals we in are. our own life. But I also think it's fun that we're both, in Henry V, we both um, are part of the French uh, side yeah. of yeah. things, yeah, yeah. and... Uh, they have a, a little bit of a... Well, they're even more, they're elevated beyond the <laughs> elevation are. of the Shakespearean They are, text. they yeah. are, yeah. And for me, that was cool to be um, one of the actors that speaks completely in French to find the animation and the uh, energy of that because obviously the audience is not necessarily understanding word for word what we're saying, but um, it's written in a way that you can understand the gist of the conversation, mm -hmm. and um, well, and you do a lot physically as well. I was your your yes. scene uh, with uh, Alice and, and Catherine is is a really physical, you know, comedy scene. It's a comedy. That's right. Scene. Yeah. yeah, which is good for for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just because uh, we come, I come from this world that's a little bit more animated and physical. You're a funny yeah. gal. Yeah. yeah. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Very we were, funny. We were getting a, a, a Liza Minnelli treat a little earlier. We'll have, that'll, hopefully we'll turn that into another podcast. That's episode. right. <laughs> um, so switching gears now to Mary Poppins a little bit specifically. Uh, Eddie, this is your first time in the show or have you, have you been in Mary Poppins before? This is my first time. And Elizabeth, you've played, uh, this, you spent a while with this show. Yes, I did. So uh, you spent a lot of time on the national tour yes. of Mary Poppins. Uh, coming back to a role you've, done before and had other roles in the show and then Eddie now for the first time there are a lot of expectations I think for audiences that come with this story um, and with any you know sort of huge well-known whether it's a movie musical or a musical from the past I think one of the challenges in producing them is managing expectations while creating something fresh and new um, so that you're not Eddie just a you know a carbon copy clone of Dick, Dick Van Dyke mm -hmm. and then the same for you as mm -hmm. not as Julie Andrews mm -hmm. so Talk about for us the process, both personally and in rehearsal, of 
of that? Of, is it a conversation with yourselves and with the director? Is it, is it just something that sort of happens? Tell us how you, for, as an artist, manage those expectations, even for yourself. Do you want me to go first? Sure. Um, okay, well, given that this was my first time kind of delving into this world, um, I grew up with the film. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I grew up watching uh, Dick Van Dyke and, and Julie Andrews um, go to town, and, and it was um, thrilling to kind of realize that this opportunity was coming my way. Once I kind of listened to the score and, and kind of broke open the musical, which is very different from the film, it is. Um, I realized that the role of Bert in the film and in the, in the musical and in the books, the original Peel Travers books, is very different uh, from you know the characterization that Dick Van Dyke brought alone mm-hmm. to the to the film, so I kind of freed myself the, instantly of trying to in any way capture a you know an impersonation sure. of any sort for Dick Van Dyke. He also in the film has one of the worst. It's notoriously one of the <laughs> yeah. worst dialects in, yeah. in, a, in a in a movie musical. Uh, his Cockney is is hilariously bad. Um, so you know knowing that we were going to try and bring a little more. Um, specificity to the way that this character would speak and there's a storyteller element that is expanded upon in the musical that I knew I had to sort of be that energy coming in um I tried to sort of capture the essence that I think Bert carries into the show that Dick Van Dyke brought in that is iconic this sort of open-hearted um uh jovial uh spirit that in his own way possesses some magic um, that complements Mary's, or that Mary sort of brings to life in him, vice versa, perhaps. Uh, that was really kind of the only um, touchstone that I kept from the Dick Van Dyke role was just mm-hmm. the well, spirit. I, well, I like—I mean, I like the way you said it—the idea that that's Bert, not Dick Van Dyke. Those things yeah. that, that Dick Van Dyke portrayed a certain way, you found in the character, not necessarily in the performance, the, and that's what you could bring in your own ways. Keeping that spirit alive, I, yeah, I, I like and, that. and something that our director continually went back to in the room, you know, uh, as we're discovering things, and you have these iconic lines or iconic mm-hmm. songs that you mm-hmm. have to sing, and it's so sometimes you need to pay homage to the original reading of a line or mm-hmm. the original kind of a lilt of the song. You want to do that because that's what everybody's collective consciousness remembers, mm-hmm. um, and if they didn't know it, it would still ring true and make perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, trusting that our ourselves as individuals, that we possess the qualities necessary t- for the characters. Mm-hmm. And Karen went, you're charming, you're charming. Just, just you know, you don't need to do too much. Just let the charm be there mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So just trusting that, you know, we possess a certain amount of those qualities that uh, we don't need to work as hard to make them come true, that they'll come out. Yeah. Yeah. I would piggyback with that because there are certain things that that the movie Julie and Dick Van Dyke did where it's, where I, I would think to myself, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. There's certain sure. things that they did that are, I think, the way these characters need to be. So, like you said, with certain um, musicality to some of the lines, you know, first of all, I'd like to make one thing quite clear, the way that yeah. she inflects things that are very, become these very iconic pieces in our American movie history, right? Um, but they can't be void of what's underneath. And, and that was that's challenging um, to figure out what makes these characters tick, who they are. And, and that was conversations that Eddie and I had together, talking about what's, 
What's their friendship? Are they both magical characters? Where do they live? What have they done together? How, you know, how do they function in this world? Um, and for me, another uh, an amazing experience to, to be here and to play Mary on the road. I was the understudy for three years, and you know, Disney and Cameron McIntosh and the people that taught me the role were very generous in discovering who my Mary is, and and didn't make me be a carbon copy of what was already um, on stage. Mm -hmm. But however, just the nature of being an understudy, yeah. when you go on, you are, you do fill a certain piece, a piece of the puzzle, and you can't really change much. No, you, the blocking and the, right. there's a lot of stuff built around what that other person was doing. That's right. And so um, when I came into rehearsal, there was a lot of muscle memory that I had to let go of. Um, which is difficult when something's ingrained in your brain sure. for so long. But it was also freeing to have someone say, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? What do you think? Creating your marriage. Yeah, and that was really special for me just in my, my personal journey. Yeah, That's exciting. Well, it's, you know, hearing you talk about these, you know, the, the core of these characters underneath what other actors have done may be great, but two people arriving at the right choice both arriving at the same right choice. You know, you just gave a, a, a great line reading of that line. It was Julie Andrews found, found a way to say it, and you've come to the same conclusion. You're not copying her. You both came to the same conclusion that this was, That's you know, right. That's the way you say it. Yeah. yeah. That's the, this that's is the, way the you, intention. That's the intent, yeah. And, and, and I think it's good for us to, as, as viewers and, and an audience to think that there is that substance underneath, that if something is the same, it wasn't necessarily a shortcut to get there, that you've you know, you've done your work as artists to create. Another yeah. kind of fascinating, I think, phenomenon is you have people that come to the show that only have this film in their mindset. You know, they've and it's forever and ever and ever they've they've just had yeah. this going playing on. These people come to the show and lovely audience members, and we've had great audiences, generous, generous audiences every time we've done this show. Um, but they'll project. Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke onto that stage, whether oh, we yeah. like it or not. Oh yeah, no. you know. And I actually had somebody come say, "Your Dick Van Dyke was spot on." I'm going, <laughs> I, well, uh, I'm glad you yeah. thought so. I wasn't trying, yeah. you know, yeah. at all. It's wild. It's but it's sort of funny because they they really are projecting those iconic sort of people onto the stage, yeah. regardless. Well, I think yeah. it, I think it's it's so exciting to hear you take such a, a intentional path to creating your characters that have nothing to do really with what other actors have done. I just, I always like to ask because it's such, I think it's a, t I think it's a tall order for actors from an expectation standpoint for audience member. I think we as audiences are, put an unfair expectation yeah. on artists when there's something so iconic that we expect that every, you know, every Harold Hill is mm -hmm. Robert Preston. Yeah. Every King and I, you know, every King of Siam is Yul Brenner. And yeah. it's, I, I love seeing these kinds of shows as, personally as an audience member, because I'm excited to see what somebody else does with them. If it's just gonna be a impersonation, it's, and, and, right. I, and, I, and, I, and I, I'm not surprised that you're getting good feedback because I think subconsciously, people are just accepting what you're doing and moving forward. Right. To a degree. I, it, yeah, as yeah. long as you don't, as long as you're not purposefully, actively trying to yeah. break apart their, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. sort of idea of what these people would be, you know, which I think would be going down, in some ways, a, a a wrong path, yeah. you know, to, to completely change for, the sake of change. Yeah. change for the sake of change and not to honor the history and the and the spirit of yeah. it, I mm -hmm. think. And the care, I mean, and at the root of it is that character that, that 
your, right. the, or your the truth of that character. Yeah, the truth yeah. of that character for you. Um, uh, last thing. Uh, so, oh, the other big question I want to talk about is um, what's, uh, how, what's, how's been your process working with the two child actors in this show? I mean, I know that that's, you know, that in the theater world we say that, you know, there are dogs and there are children and they steal the show all the time. And yeah. um, I think we have two, I know, not, no, knowing one of them very well, we have two great child actors. Can you talk about your process in getting to know them and, and working, bringing them up to speed in terms of how to work quickly through uh, a show like this? Uh, ironically, it sort of went back and forth where sometimes when things were difficult because it's a very large show, technical, technically challenging show, and, you know, Eddie and I, you know, we're, we're just we're trying to be patient and we're we're losing our fuse a little bit and we look at these kids and they're just laughing and smiling and this is so fun and so great and we learn so much from them about just remembering that to keep to keep that uh playful playful energy energy, that's right but because they are 10 and they haven't gone through the training because uh, you know they're only 10, 10 that eddie and i have in terms of how to how to make it through a really long rehearsal, how to warm up, how to maintain your voice, what just how to stay focused. I think that we were able to teach them. And that's like you said, by the, the personal relationships that we made off stage. I feel like the four of us are kind of like a little Wizard of Oz team <laughs> um, where we have, you know, we have inside jokes, but we're also not afraid to talk to each other about um, how we're feeling or what's... We check in with the we kids. We check in, you, yeah. You, you have to. I mean, they, they are... Um, amazingly consistent in yeah. the show they really are and then there's there's some moments where you can tell that you know andrew was out playing football all day and he might be a little tired <laughs> that yeah. afternoon yeah. or that evening and and you you check in or mila's you know just gotten off the road she's driven an hour from saint george and she's she's a little tired before we start the show and same for us yes. you know so we all check in but they are amazingly professional in 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 uh their approach to it i would say that they they have it just impressed me. I mean, we got in the room yeah. the first day, and I it is a reality check. You go, oh, this is we are working with really wonderful little people, yeah. yeah. And it's and it's going to be a totally different journey. Well, and in this show in particular, these are not small roles. These are not you know this no. is not the little show. yeah they, they accessories the like sometimes they, they hardly can be right. the stage. And and you said you know kids and animals they can steal the show. Well, these guys are on the whole time. These you know so they're not. I, they're just holding it together. Yeah. You know, they're not stealing. They're very hands. mature and they're very smart, I think, beyond their years. And I think that one one thing that I really admired about the director, and I think that Eddie and I do too, we, we speak to them very maturely. maturely. Sure. Yeah, like adults. We don't, I, Because I don't think dumbing it down is a way to get the results that we needed. No. And consequently, it's, it's helped us create that um, a friendship that we need, just like Eddie and I have a friendship off stage, I feel like I have a friendship with Andrew and Mila, honest, you know, honestly, and and yeah. so does Eddie, yeah. and um and we we did have some some outings, just the four of us, just to talk away yeah. from, I don't mean this in a negative way, but away from parents and directors yeah. and choreographers, and just for the four of us, to just get to know each other, but also kind of talk about the show and yeah. say, what do you think about this part? Well, I think this, I think that. What questions um, you have, and you know, it's amazing the questions that they would come up with because they. 
they've they've only really looked at the play and the text and the songs. That's and right. So we we gave them the books. Elizabeth had a wonderful yeah. idea to give them the series of books, the Peel Travers books that they ended up reading. And, yeah. And we sat and had tea one day, and we flew a kite. I know it sounds hokey, but <laughs> we no, did. the sweetest day. It we was. we sat around and had tea and 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 treats, and Elizabeth made cucumber sandwiches, and, <laughs> and uh, we sat around and talked about the the world of of the piece and and their characters. Because that's what's difficult, I, and this is related to the kids, but also not, you know, say with like Henry V, you know, it's based in history, right? So mm -hmm. there's there's very direct answers to questions. Mary Poppins, the fantasy world, not so direct mm -hmm. answers. And yeah. um, it was really cool to ask some of my questions to the children who have this imagination of, obviously, children, and yeah. um, to hear what they said, maybe, Maybe Mary Poppins, at, you know, lives in the heavens and all these kind of, like, ideas that are just so cool. They just, they just sort of free associate. And they free associate, right. And sometimes we're so bogged down with the concrete when we were in, world. When we were in tech, uh, in technical rehearsals, when we're adding all the elements, it gets really tedious. And um, there was a day, because of our schedule, you know, we don't get to con continuously go, <laughs> go through a whole week yeah. working day by day by day. We have to break it up. Um, and so we had a couple days off coming up, and and little Andrew uh, looks at me and he goes, "I don't think we should take those two days off. <laughs> we need we need practice." <laughs> and and I'm agreeing with him, and I, you know we're, we'd all felt that we needed practice. Yeah. And he just takes this nice little pause, and he looks at me and he goes, "But we can do it." <laughs> and just his whole yeah, heart, completely he, earnest, completely earnest, completely he earnest. He knew that we needed the practice, but he was also really sure that. This was going to come together, and you right. just look at him and you go, "You're right, You're right. And, yeah, dude." And, and, and I needed that in that moment, up. you know. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it it sounds like, you know, you, you both came from very uh, prestigious and and quality training programs, and and so what I'm about to say it means is in no way intended to disparage the idea of going through training for theater, but I think you've articulated very well the idea that acting in some ways is an apprenticeship craft. That there's something that has to happen for actors such as yourselves to just sort of work directly with training and, and school aside, that there's just something that happens when you're oh, a master and an apprentice with, with actors. That's I, right, yeah. It happens I, every day. I mean, even yeah. now oh, yeah. for us at, at our age, you know, you go into a play or into a show with people that are older with older than you or have more experience than you, and you mm -hmm. are constantly learning, and learning from those of, of your peers who just yeah. have more experience or or um, different experiences, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And for them, I'm sure this is going to be, this experience for a young person is a wealth of information. Yeah. Regardless of whether they go into the performing arts and the, as as they grow up, their public speaking skills, their confidence, mm -hmm. their mm -hmm. presence, their ability to, uh, you know, just communicate. Period is going to be way. Oh yeah. Heightened. It's life defining for them. Yeah. I think absolutely. it's not. It's not an exaggeration to say. What were we going to yeah. say, Elizabeth? Yeah, I was going to say I. You know, it's like you said, I don't mean to dis... I, I feel very strongly about oh, the yeah. training that we have to go through f for our vocal health, for our physical health, you know, um, and the craft of everything. But there is that part where it you have to put it into play. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's kind of... You can liken it to, like, the ac academia world where you can study and study and study, but then there's certain elements that just have to be in practice. You have to practice that craft and, and, and experience it, and you're absolutely right. That it's the, that's what they have really been able to uh, to see. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I mean, I'm sure they're grateful, but I can speak on behalf of the organization that we're grateful that you're taking such care to 
teach and show so that whatever they choose to do in their lives, there are these, they've had these wonderful skills. Yeah, it's what I, just a personal experience, um, when I did the national tour of Annie, we obviously worked with a lot of children, uh-huh. and um, uh, they were around 11 years old, and uh, this was 2005 to 2007, and um, you know, a lot of them have gone on to do whatever they, they've chosen, but there's a few that have continued on to the performing arts, and um, Jennifer Dillo, who's in our ensemble, she just graduated from Pace University with the girl that played my Annie. Oh, wow. They're both in the performing arts program, mm. And my husband, who was also on the tour, we say, well, we're feeling a bit old, but <laughs> it's still exciting to come that it's that there, she's continued on and, and, and then to meet Jennifer, who is her castmate, who's also one of our superstars here. Just yeah, incredible. Yeah. She's our dance captain. And um, yeah, wild. That's small world. Yeah. Uh, perfect segue, as a matter of fact. Uh, so the other small world thing, love, we, we love to talk about theater generally as well as the festival specifically. Eddie, uh, you have uh, some proximity to, uh, you know, the, the musical Hamilton has taken the country by storm. Um, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda has just left the show at the time of this recording uh, and has been replaced by uh, someone you know personally, Eddie, uh, Javier Muno- Munoz. Mm-hmm. Javier Munoz, yeah. Uh, as is, is now playing Alexander Hamilton. How do you know, how do you know Javier? So uh, in the in the in the great uh, celebration of company, uh, Javier Munoz was a company member at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival after my tenure there, uh-huh. after my time, and I always go back and see shows. And so I had been back one summer. He was playing The Baker in Into the Woods in their mm. production of Into the Woods with a whole slew of my good friends. And so over the week that I was in Ashland, he and I became acquainted and just became friends. And knowing that we have this large pool of common friends, have uh, kept in touch. And um, he's been the alternate on Hamilton mm-hmm. since it uh, started performing on Broadway for Javier or for um, Lynn going on once a week. And when I had a two-week window uh, of vacation time after a show in San Francisco, I messaged Javi and I said, <laughs> "I know you're getting a million of these, and I realize that it's a long shot, but it's worth a shot. It's worth a chance. Is there any possibility of getting into see the show? And I want to see you performing." Um, and he is. Javier is one of the most generous, magical individuals I've ever come across, um, and his own personal story is is worth inve- investigating. If you don't know about Javier Munoz, you should look him up. He's deeply inspirational. Um, he wrote me back, uh, and long story short, he ended up getting uh, me and my partner tickets oh. for um, one of the shows. Not a performance that he was going in on, going in for, but... Um, we were, it was a true gift to go and see. We saw the original cast. Mm. It was the day that they had won the Pulitzer Prize. Oh, wow. I haven't announced the morning that we were going in to see the show it was a Monday. So the energy in the theater was particularly uh, uh, electric and uh, we got to sit through it. And I have to say, I'm not somebody who likes to buy into the hype, but Hamilton is worth every ounce of <laughs> acclaim that it is it is garnered. And Absolutely. I'm so excited for Javi to go in because um, he... Just knowing him personally, the the bit that I do uh, has a, a very. He's an actor through and through, and Lynn wears many different hats, and performer is one of them. Uh-huh. But I know that Javi's going in, um, and they built the role in in tandem. But I, I really can't wait to go back and see Javier yeah. do the role because apparently, according to the New York Times, he's the sexy Hamilton. Yeah, I think yeah. he's got his own hashtag. He's got his own hashtag, <gasps> Javiton. Yeah, that's, Hamilton. Yeah. Oh, that's um, fantastic. So it's it's really thrilling, and it is one of those moments where you realize that. Being a part of a company, just like a USF, um, you never know where friends are going to end up and where they're, mm-hmm. they're going to go. And so 
it is a true gift to be amongst so many really talented people mm -hmm. um, and to be in this pool. I mean, you brought up Jennifer Dillow. Jennifer mm -hmm. Dillow is going to go in places, y'all. Keep Absolutely. an eye on Jennifer Dillow. Yeah. Um, as are so many people oh in this God, company. The whole like, green show. <laughs> yeah, the entire green show yeah. cast uh, is going to be on Broadway soon. No, it's it's just, it's really wonderful to see um, this community of artists uh, that stays together, supporting each other, when somebody succeeds, that literally everybody kind of is there to, to back them up and, and to celebrate, celebrate that yeah. because it's really, it's wonderful. And, and Hamilton is this phenomenon that's going on and it's so wonderful to see it uh, being brought up in the political sphere right now. I mean, mm -hmm. it's theater is infiltrating all, as it should, all different parts of our culture right now in America. And I'm, I'm really excited that in some little teeny infinitesimal mm -hmm. way that we are uh, a part of it, you know, so. Well, I, I, I yeah, I mean, it, I, coming back all the way around, I think that uh, it sounds, I'm so excited for that. I mean, I'm excited for your friend, but you've hit on this idea of company for us that, mm -hmm. that, that there's a lot of work that goes into creating a rep season, but we do it as a group and we do it together. And then the, 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 the relationships formed while people are here, other places like it, uh, last a really long time. Mm -hmm. And we're so grateful for you and your time, both here on the podcast today, but just in terms of being a part of our Cedar City community for a, for a time and part of uh, the Utah Shakespeare Festival family. So thank you so much for uh, your time today, for being here, and uh, have, great, have a great time. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. It's our pleasure. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Play On Podcast. Be sure to go back and listen to past interviews on the festival webpage, bard.org. Check out the latest episode released every Friday with your favorite directors, actors, and designers from our 2016 season.